Welcome to the first ever episode of the Totally Biased Browns podcast. I do appreciate y'all tuning in, giving it a quick listen. I hope you guys enjoy. On today's episode, we're going to talk a little bit about the Josh Gordon news that came out this morning. Go back, look at the Browns-Broncos games from this past Saturday. Look forward to the Browns-Bengals game this Sunday. And then talk a little bit about the head coaching job. So, without further ado, let's get into it. Josh Gordon. Um, all I can really say here is what a waste of talent. Um, I was a little disappointed that the Browns only got a fifth-round pick for him when they traded him to New England early in the season. New England got more than fifth-round value out of him during his time there. Uh, 40 catches, 720 yards, 3 TDs. He was leading the team in receiving yards. But I would say that a fifth-round pick not to be the team dealing with the Josh Gordon drama right now is worth it. Um, obviously, at the beginning of the season, you know, you kind of had question marks about what the receiving core was going to look like after Josh Gordon was shipped away. We no longer had Coleman. It looked like it was just Landry and everybody else. But Callaway's developed into a nice player. Uh, Higgins looks like he could easily be that number two, number three receivers. And then we have some young guys like uh, Radley, Willies, who's been on IR for most of the season, that we don't really know what we have in them yet. And then a guy like Brashad Perriman, who got signed midway through the season, has started looking pretty huge these last few, uh, last few weeks. So, again, would it have been nice to have a player like Josh Gordon for this season, especially seeing what Baker Mayfield can do throwing the ball? Maybe so. Um, but he was unreliable. And even if he can't, if he can't stay healthy enough or in a mental state or off the drugs or whatever's going on in New England, if he couldn't get it figured out for the New England Patriots to be able to play a full season and help that team push for a Super Bowl title, I I don't think he would have done anything for the Browns either. So fifth round pick a little low, but again, we're not the team that has to deal with the drama anymore. We actually have a bright future. We're looking good and all I can say to Josh Gordon is, uh, is good luck, my friend. I hope you get everything figured out. I wouldn't be surprised if we've seen the last of Josh Gordon in the NFL, especially if he does get suspended again. And if that's the case, it's just a sad story because he had all the potential in the world to be one of the league's best players, but he just couldn't get out of his own way. But enough about Josh Gordon. I'd rather focus on our Cleveland Browns. And this past Saturday, they made the trip over to Denver, Colorado to face the Denver Broncos in what was essentially at the time an elimination game for the playoffs. And what happened? They prime time Saturday night, only NFL game on TV, the entire nation with their eyes on our Cleveland Browns, and they gutted out a nice 17 to 16 win over the Broncos, essentially eliminating the Broncos from any sort of playoff hopes, kept our playoffs hopes alive a little bit longer. Was it pretty? No. I don't know about anybody else, but I was throwing fits for most of the game. I mean, they started off so well, 
first two defensive possessions, fantastic. I think, what, negative 12 yards total offense for the, the Broncos, those first two possessions, the first possessions the Browns have, go down the field. Baker hits Perriman on a beautiful little throw to the end zone. And then it seemed after that, defense couldn't do anything. Baker Mayfield looked awful, couldn't hit the broad side of a barn. But the whole time, they continued to gut it out. They hung close. And then when the team needed it the most, Carey comes up with a huge interception. Baker Mayfield shakes off all the, the nonsense from the first three quarters. Leads the Browns down the field. Hits Callaway on a nice little slant route in the end zone to take the lead. Browns defense comes up big again. Holds the, the Broncos on a short third and one. Broncos decide to kick a field goal. Browns milk a lot of clock. Nick Chubb with a big 40-yard run. They got jobbed a little bit on that fourth down once they got into the red zone. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember it, but I know they couldn't necessarily give, I think it was who, Najoku on the third down play who stretched out. I know you can't necessarily give him the first down, but to spot that ball a whole freaking yard short, give me a break. NFL was trying their best to screw the Browns over again. Fell short a little bit on that fourth down. I like the call to go for it on fourth down. If you make it there, game over. Failed like they did. Broncos have to drive the length of the field to get into field goal range. I have no problem with that call. Because these aren't the Browns of the past either. So, of course, even though Denver was driving the ball down the field, Jabril Peppers, who had a huge game, had that big interception early in the in the game. Comes up with a huge fourth down sack on Keenum. And ices the game for the Browns. Browns of the past probably lose that game. Browns of the past probably don't even have the lead there to give it away. But these Browns gutted it out. And I couldn't be happier. And then of course after the game you're looking at the situations. Browns just won. 6-7-1. You're thinking, oh, the Steelers have to go and, and face New England. They'll probably lose that ball game. We're going to be a little bit closer to the division title. Things are looking up. Of course, Sunday didn't work out as well. Denver loses. Indy and Tennessee win. So, for all intents and purposes, the Browns were eliminated from any playoff shot. Obviously, there's still the small technical chance that if Indianapolis and Tennessee lose this week, they're facing the Washington Redskins and the New York Giants, so I don't really think that's going to happen. But if they lost this week, and if they tied in Week 17, and if all the other wild card teams finish 8-8, eight and eight, and if the Browns went out, they'd be a three-way tie with the Colts and the Titans that apparently the Browns would win that tiebreaker and take the last wild card spot. I'm not counting on that to happen, especially with the fact that you have to pull for a tie for that scenario to, to take place. But, you know, hey, if it, if it helps the Browns stay motivated for these last two games, I'm all for it. You know, so let's go fight for that playoff spot. Let's win these last two games and, and see what happens. Even if it doesn't happen, which, again, seems highly unlikely, I, I couldn't be happier with the Browns right now. They've given me meaningful December games. We've won games in December. 
we're looking to finish hot. I mean, you can already look forward to next season, but you're not a bad person for doing it. It's just excitement. Like, there's already people that are talking next season. The Browns are going to be the favorite to win the AFC North. When was the last time we could say that? That's pretty crazy in my opinion. I love it. All I want the Browns to do is finish strong, though. Two division games, Cincinnati and Baltimore, both very winnable. There's plenty to fight for. We could possibly finish above 500. What, 2007 was the last time we could say that? It's just amazing. I'm, I'm so excited right now. And I don't want, because I've seen this a lot, Obviously, you look back at the schedule and you think back to, say, Pittsburgh, New Orleans, definitely the Oakland game. That's probably the one game that I don't fault people, especially Browns fans, for saying, oh, there's, you know, that game should be a W because it should be. Because literally the NFL screwed us over with overturning the the ball on that, that run. Should have been a first down. We should have been in victory formation. At worst, we should be 7-6-1 instead of 6-7-1 right now. But my main purpose, before I got sidetracked to all this, is I don't want people to continue to run with a narrative of what happened, what could have happened if those games turn out differently. Because it sucks right now, especially just basically being eliminated from any playoff shot when we were holding on to that, that small dream. But if those results don't happen, who's to say that Hugh Jackson isn't still with the team? Say the Browns did beat Pittsburgh and New Orleans because our kicking game could have gotten it together those first two games. Say that the Browns don't get jobbed by the NFL. Right then and there, that's 4-0. How different would have things turned out? Even if the rest of the, the schedule turned out the way it did, where we lose to San Diego, and then we lose those three four straight games that we lost right before Hugh got fired. So at worst, we're 5-3. and three. Hugh doesn't get fired at that point. And then who's to say that uh, Baker Mayfield turns the season around under, you know, like he has under Freddie Kitchens at that point. Would the rest of the games have actually turned out like they have over this stretch since uh, Freddie and Williams have taken over the team? Can't count on that. This team, yeah, they could have started off hot, but then they could have fell off the face of the earth like they have in the past. So it sucks. But I think it was a needed thing. One, because it helped the young team learn adversity early in the season. And two, it actually helped us get rid of what I think was the worst thing about the Cleveland Browns at the time. And that's the head coach, Hugh Jackson. Hugh Jackson was our Jeff Fisher. I don't think this team would have done anything better than maybe eight, nine wins a season under Hugh Jackson. Too many questionable calls. It's, it just wasn't going to happen. So it sucks, but this season was needed to help shape the future. I'll take six, seven, eight wins missing the playoffs this season to get rid of Hugh Jackson 
figure out our head coaching situation and then move into next season with more excitement and huge expectations. Next season, it's it's there's no reason to think that the Cleveland Browns cannot be a playoff team in 2019. And I don't know about you, but that's exciting as all get out. I love it. So don't don't be this the team up too bad for the early season misses. It's going to be okay. It was worth it. It was needed. It's put us in the right direction as an organization. And this is easily the brightest that the future has looked for the Browns since 2000 or since 1999 when the team came back. Now, with all that being said, the worst thing that could possibly happen would be for the Browns to lose Sunday versus Cincinnati in the last home game of the season. I don't expect it to happen. We'll get to my prediction here in just a bit. But I could not think with all the excitement that we've had build over the last few weeks how bad it would hurt for our fans to lose to Cincinnati. And I expect a huge crowd. I mean, you've got the team just coming off this big win in Denver. Final home game. Lots of excitement going on. People want to come watch Baker and the team play. Obviously, there's a huge Jackson factor. First time back in Cleveland since his firing and then since going down to Cincinnati. I've heard that the team is expecting a sellout, which is great. And I expect it to be an, an insane atmosphere. I'm jealous that I won't be able to attend. They have the possibility to finish 5-2-1 at home. The five wins would be uh, the most home wins in a season since 2007 when they went 7-1 at home. If they win this game, they have a chance to sweep a divisional opponent for the first time since 2007 when they swept the Ravens. And this could clinch them finishing out of last place for the first time since 2010 when they finished in third with a 5-11 and record. These are all huge things for the Browns. They show progress. This was a team that was 0-16 last year. Don't forget that. I know it hurts, but don't forget that. Look at the growth in just one season. Heck, not even in one season, in half a season. Once you get Hugh Jackson out of the way. It's time for this team to take the next step. And teams that take the next step don't lose to teams like Cincinnati. When you're the better team, you win. The Browns have gotten a lot of slack, especially since Greg Williams took over as interim coach. Because teams like Houston and Kansas City handled the Browns pretty easily. And then people look at who the Browns have played for their victories and their teams with records that, honestly, yeah, they're all losing records, if I'm not mistaken. But that's the key. Those are games in the past the Browns lose. They're beating the teams they should beat. They're not quite ready to beat the teams they could beat. But the teams that they should beat, they're beating. And they should beat the Cincinnati Bengals on Sunday. And I believe they are going to beat the Cincinnati Bengals. I expect Baker to bounce back. He's going to be having the home crowd behind him. Like I already mentioned, it's going to be a crazy atmosphere. People are going to be excited. I think he's going to feed off that mojo. He's going to have a huge game. Honestly, I expect a repeat of the game in Cincinnati 
where the Browns just walk all over the Bengals. Except this time, I don't see the Bengals being able to come back to make it look respectable at the end. I think the Browns, from start to finish, dominate this game. And I think the Browns come out victorious. 31-17. At least two-score win. Now, the last thing I want to touch on is the head coaching search that the Browns are going to put on after the season is over. And I have to say that I do not envy John Dorsey's position at all when it comes to trying to find the next Browns head coach. Um, I was really excited when the Browns finally let Hugh Jackson go because I felt like the team, obviously, you, you win three games in 40 and you cannot be a head coach. I'm sorry. So we finally got past that. We were able to move on. Um, like I said earlier, honestly, even if the Browns were able to win games, I didn't see them being able to take the next step under Hugh Jackson. I thought he was going to be that Jeff Fisher-esque type head coach where you might win 8-9, every once in a while win 10, but you're not ever going to be a true Super Bowl contender with Hugh Jackson as your head coach. So I was excited to get that out of the way, but then when you start to look at who's all out there that could possibly be a head coach next season, and there's no real sexy names out there that you're like, oh, you have to go get this guy. Most people would point at Lincoln Riley and think, oh, no, that's that's the sexy name right there. But I just, I don't know. Like I said, I don't, I don't envy... John Dorsey's position because there's not that one guy that you're like, we have to go get him. Again, everybody's going to look at Lincoln Riley, but that's a college coach that you're asking, who's been a college coach for two or three seasons now, and you're going to ask him to suddenly make the jump to the NFL with no prior experience. Come on now. I mean, I know he has the history with Baker at Oklahoma. They had a great offense there. Obviously, he then took Murray and had back-to-back Heisman quarterbacks, but that doesn't necessarily translate to the NFL success. I mean, look at Nick Saban, arguably the best college coach of all time. He's only taken Alabama and just made it a dynasty. He came to the NFL and he couldn't succeed. Who was it? Bobby Petrino went to Atlanta, couldn't do anything there. Lane Kiffin, same, same. So I know it's the the sexy name and the fact that it has ties to Baker. But it's not a lock. Matt Campbell, that's even a bigger question mark. Like, you're going to go from Iowa State to the NFL? If I have questions about going from Oklahoma to the NFL, I definitely have reservations about somebody coming from Iowa State to the NFL. And I hear people talking, oh, he's got he's got it in good with GMs around the NFL. NFL GMs love him. Yeah, because he gives access to his players. That doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to be a good head coach in the NFL. Let them come in as an offensive coordinator or quarterback's coach at first. Get their feet wet before you start uh, getting ready to promote them to a head coach for an NFL team. Then you look at some of the NFL candidates. Mike McCarthy? No thanks. If you have trouble getting it done with Aaron Rodgers, I don't want you touching my fresh young quarterback, Baker Mayfield. Bruce Arians? Maybe? 
but he he's retired. He has health issues. How long is he going to do it? Obviously, Greg Williams, maybe the most logical in the sense that, you know, he's turned the team around, has more wins in six games as a head coach than Hugh Jackson did as 40 games. That means that we'll probably be able to keep Freddie Kitchens, which seems like it's going to be a huge factor in any head coach that comes in. Are you going to keep Freddie Kitchens? Which I have a whole nother opinion on that, and I'll get to in just a second. Like, I mean... I've heard Adam Gase, the head coach down in Miami, if he gets fired, do we want to retread like that? Josh McDaniels, as I know a lot of people don't like him, but he's probably my front runner personally. I mean, the New England offense would be a good fit for Baker, in my opinion. It's all about getting the ball out real quick. You don't want Tom Brady getting hit. He doesn't have the athleticism to avoid pass rushers. You can't avoid him getting hit. He'll break real easy. I mean, the man's like... 57 years old. He's been playing forever. You get hit one good time, break a hip, then the goat's done. So that offense would be a good fit, in my opinion. But then if you bring in Josh McDaniels, he's probably not going to keep it uh, Freddie Kitchens. Personally, I think that the talk of keeping Freddie Kitchens as a must is a little overrated. Yeah, it's nice to see what Baker Mayfield has done under Freddie Kitchens. But all that shows me is is if you get a competent coach, Baker's able to elevate his play and elevate the play of the team. If you give the head coaching job to Greg Williams, that means we have to stick with Greg Williams' defense again. His defense has actually regressed from the first season that he was here in Cleveland. His first season, they were like ranked 13th. In, in yards against, they were pretty low in points against. But with the offense like we had that season, I mean, who could blame it? It seems like they were given the short field every time. Offense turning the ball over like 57 times a game. Notice how I'm in love with the number 57, apparently. I just, I don't know. I don't envy it. I think the fact that people are thinking that you have to keep Freddie Kitchens around is a little much. Yes, it'd be nice for some continuity for Baker Mayfield going into the next season, knowing that he's going to have the same system that he's working with right now, but it's not needed in my opinion. Bring me a good offensive-minded head coach to lead the team. Baker Mayfield can take that offensive system and run with it, especially if it's something like Josh McDaniels. But then you have to worry about Josh McDaniels. Is he just a byproduct of Bill Belichick and Tom Brady? How much of the Patriots' success is Josh McDaniels? Because I remember his two seasons in Denver. I don't think the Patriots fell off that much. Of course, I mean, you still have Tom Brady. But if he came here, he'd have Baker Mayfield. So, I we'll see. Again, I don't envy it. Um, I don't think that you have to bring back Cody Kitchens. I don't think that you have to bring back Greg Williams. But time will tell. When it comes down to it, the only probably two coaching decisions that John Dorsey could make would be Mike McCarthy and Adam Gase. I would not want either one of those. I don't want a head coaching retread that just got fired this year. Obviously, I know you've had the success of Andy Reid going from Philly to Kansas City. But then 
yeah, they've been good in the regular season, but what have they done in the playoffs? I remember them blowing multiple leads late in games since Andy Reid took over. Have they even won a playoff game under Andy Reid? Be something to look up. So, we'll see. More news is going to come out about this as time goes on. Obviously, right now, Greg Williams is doing a good job of getting the team motivated to play. They're winning four of six, four and two in his six games as head coach. Hopefully, they'll be six and two. And if they decide to bring back Greg Williams and Freddie Kitchens, I'm okay with that. For the simple fact that it is continuity, they've shown what they can do. But I don't think that we need to be complacent just for the fact that the team is winning under Greg Williams and Freddie Kitchens. Because I don't know if it's necessarily because of them. That's competent coaching that they're finally getting, and they're showing what they can do. So if that's competent coaching, bring me great coaching, and let's take this team to the next level. But that's going to do it for this first episode of the Totally Biased Browns podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed. Again, feel free to find me on Twitter if you haven't already, at Bias Browns. Uh, I'm going to try to bring these podcasts out every Thursday. Uh, feel free to interact with me on Twitter. Uh, definitely would love to hear feedback on what you guys think, where I can improve, what you'd like me to talk about. And until then, I'll talk to you guys next time. Go Browns! Go Browns!